Guess who's back? Back again. That's right. My buddy is back on the show. 25-time Bassmaster winner. Seven-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year. Four-time Classic Champion. Four MLF victories. And FLW Angler of the Year title. And this week, he's talking to me about retirement. All the way from Kalamazoo, Michigan. The one and only KVD, Kevin Van Dam, joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all. Friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks, you're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Welcome into another episode of Mercer. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Want to welcome in all our humpers that tune in week after week, making this the number one rated podcast on this particular channel. And I can't thank you guys enough for that support week after week. You guys are incredible. And um, I'm proud of what this little show has become. And I'm proud of what you guys have chosen to allow this show to become. And um, this week's show gonna be another good one um i promised you last week we're not going anywhere we're we're gonna make i mean the goal is to make a cool show each and every week and um one of the coolest things that we read in the comments is like people will be like this is your best show there's no better they don't get better and then somebody else comes on they're like well this was your best it's up to the anglers as long as they're willing to be open honest and awkward at times which they all have been, um, this show will keep being good. I mean, this shows what I can promise you, it'll be something different every single week. Some weeks it's pure hilarity, some weeks it's a tearjerker, and some weeks it it's all of the above. Um, but it ultimately is all up to the anglers. And um, I usually don't have anglers on that close to each other you know like if i've had an angler on probably won't have them on for a while but when i had kevin van dam on just a month or so ago a couple months ago i had no idea he was going to retire um i actually thought that would have been a good question to ask him but i'm not that good at my job so i didn't um but obviously that is the news now Kevin Van Dam is retiring. And I think everybody probably feels a lot like I felt when I heard the news. Um, just in shock. Not that he is retiring, but he's Kevin Van Dam. He's just always been. He's, he's, he's there. And to think of him not being part of tournament fishing is, is almost impossible. Um, but I can't thank him enough for everything that he has done for this industry. I mean, Kevin Van Dam literally changed this entire industry from on the water to off the water to in the boardroom to how you conduct business. Every single asset of this sport is better because of Kevin Van Dam. Um, my job. Myself personally, if it wasn't for Kevin Van Dam and Mark Zona, I wouldn't have my job. So thank you to both of them. And I will never stop thanking them 
because I think that's one of the worst things about mankind, how people will accept a leg up, but then they forget about the person that helped them. I'll never forget. Kevin Van Dam and Mark Zona are the reason that I work for Bass, and I'm so thankful for everything they've done. But most of all, what I'm so thankful for is the friendship, is the people that they are, and not just with Kevin and Mark, but with their families. And um, I got to congratulate Sherry, Jackson, Nicholas, and Kevin on this retirement because you guys have given up so much as a family for our industry. And just let me let you know that it's just my humble opinion, but I think it's echoed by many, many people. Those things that Kevin may have missed, those things that your family may have missed, didn't go for nothing. I mean, the impact that will be felt in our industry will go on for generations, literally generations, decades from now, people will talk about the great Kevin Van Dam. I mean, to look at a record book of what he's accomplished in this sport, it's unfathomable, it's unthinkable, and many believe it's unbreakable records. But most of all, what Kevin Van Dam brought to our sport is a new identity, a new way that people relate to who a professional angler is. And I can't thank him enough for that. And I can't thank him enough for his friendship. And um, and the cool thing about him being retired is um, he can do more stuff like this, more podcasts. So that's good for, for me, for you guys. Um and I'm thankful for that. And uh, but most of all, I, I'm I'm thankful for the friendship. And I know I've said that a few times, but I am so thankful for his friendship. And and just because he's retiring from tournaments doesn't mean his friendship ends. It just means we get to hang out a little more. I I appreciate him always being open, always being honest, and and on this show at times being awkward. But I thank him for that. Um. And I congratulate him on an incredible, incredible retirement. Um, but I think part of what makes his retirement so shocking to so many is because what he built was so big. You just, you knew it was going to go away at some time. You just hoped it wasn't today. So um, that's why this week is um, Van Dam, Van Dominant, Van Dunn. Well, let's find out from the man himself. And and before I bring him in, let's really hope this goes a lot better than it did when he told me in person. Because when he told me, when they called and, and we had the conversation before it was even public, I was a blubbering mess. Like I was just, I just kept saying, wow, wow, wow. Um, I was a little hungover from the Chiefs winning the night before and my reaction wasn't best. So here goes take two. Let's hope. It goes better this time. From Kalamazoo, Michigan, the one and only KVD, Kevin Van Dam. KVD, this is weird. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that this goes smoother than when you called me to tell me you were retiring, because all I know is I just kept saying, wow. Like, there's very few times where I'm lost for words, but I was an idiot during that phone call. No, it... Uh... That was a crazy day, all in all. I mean, just a lot of things going on and, you know, 
right at the start of the first tournament of the year for me too. So, but yeah, no, I, it's, it's real. And, you know, at the time it was, you know, I, I had a lot of emotions going on too that day. And your, your reaction was like, you were shocked. And I was surprised by that actually. Really? What, what yeah. did you, did you think what my reaction was going to be? Like, no, I, um, it's not that I thought that, but I just, you know, shoot, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just was, I was surprised. That you was were surprised. A, yeah, no, it was a weird emotional roller coaster. Um, the Chiefs had just won the Super Bowl. I get a call from you and Sherry, and I'm thinking, oh, my, what good friends. Like, they're calling to congratulate me on a team that I just cheer for. And that's how it started. <laughs> and the next thing I know, you're retired. Um, and, and I don't think I'm shocked that you retired. I don't think, like, I think we've kind of talked about this in the past. Like, I knew that you weren't going to be one of those guys who fished, you know, laid into your, you know, you know, you didn't want to be not yeah. that there's anything wrong with being Rick Clum, but you that wasn't the path you had planned to take. But what did it feel like for you to make that announcement? It was uh yeah, I mean it was definitely stressful. I think Sherry was the same, felt the same way. I mean, it's just you just the unknown, you know, and and again, every just like you said, everybody's different. Um, everybody has their own time, but you know, I've been fishing professionally for 32 years. This is my 33rd season. So I'm not retiring, you know, I'm just retiring from the, the tournament trail. You know, I mean, the tour, the grind of the tours, it's real. Uh, you know, the road life and um, I've, you know, done it a long time and I love it. I do. I'm sure when the season rolls around next year, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to miss it. I'm still, I'm a fan, so I'll be following following it for sure but i'm just looking forward to um the opportunity you know that's in front of me to still be you know i still want to be a great ambassador for fishing and conservation and the outdoors and the sport I've, I've tried really hard to do that my whole career and i just think that um this is an opportunity to even go to another level yeah how how long did you know you know how long did you know that this you were planning on making this announcement uh it it really came together pretty fast so it's you know obviously you and i we've talked about it in the past it's like hey how long are you gonna fish you know i've had plenty of those conversations with zona um shoot with davy height with scott rook you know and i was you know before davy retired you know we had all these conversations it's like you know everybody knows there's going to be a day and a time and i just it's so easy to stay in the same routine. You know, I've been doing this yeah. a long time. You're used to fishing tournaments. You, you know, the the whole system, the whole way that you run your season, your life, your schedule. It's all that we've ever really known. And it's like I say, it, change is hard. But um, you know, it's something that that I've been thinking about and toying with and really because again i'm not retiring and i feel you know obligated I, i've got a lot of companies that have a lot invested in me and i have a lot invested in them you know one of the things that i'm the most proud about over my career is the long-term relationships that i've had and the loyalty that 
that I've had and not only me, but the companies I work with have reciprocated back. So it, that's important to me. And that going forward is really important to me. You know, I know this is a, a transition, but I think and after the conversations that I had and that's really kind of where where it all started is I had a few conversations um, with a few people. Johnny Morris was one that I had a, a deep conversation with about it to see because again I you know I've been with Bass Pro and Nitro uh, my whole career. Um, yeah, you know we we have a great partnership. We have a great relationship together. Where uh, it's a business relationship, but it's also a lot of friendship. And and I can say that about most of my uh, partners that 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 I have. So you know, I had that conversation with him. You know, a big conversation that I had as well. Uh, somebody that I truly respect and that nobody probably you know fans don't know is is Joe Brown from Johnson Outdoors. So Joe is the guy that I worked with to make the transition when, you know, I was already with Humminbird, with Humminbird yeah. for a long time, but to make the transition over to Minkota as well. And I told him at the time, I'm like, man, I'm in this, this is, you know, I take this serious if I'm gonna, gonna make a change. And, uh, you know, at the time, uh, you know, Motor Guide and Brunswick were in a lot of turmoil and I've been with Motor Guide my whole career and it was not an easy decision, but behind the scenes, it was an easy decision, especially as uh, if you know, and you know, the people at Johnson yeah. Outdoors at, at Minn Kota and Hummerbird and they're, they're phenomenal people and they know how to do things and they're relentless and they're always pushing to be their best in everything to put the best products out and that's the type of people, that's the companies I want to be associated with. So, so, you know, that conversation with Joe was um, one, because I have, again, a lot of respect for him and, and the job that he's done there. And, you know, I mean, he's like, Hey, I think you'll be much more valuable and important to us, not fishing tournaments. You know, I mean, I, I built a, you know, we, we've worked hard to build the, you know, brand and that, that credibility over a lot of years, fishing tournaments. And, and that's my only, that's my whole lifestyle. And it's just something that, you know, I want to continue to carry forward. And so that's the conversations that I, you know, that Sherry and I really had is like, Hey, you know, we want to make sure that everybody is going to be good with this. We would still like to uh, continue these, you know, relationships that we have and even uh, improve it. And, and really, across the board i have zero not one person not one company not be anything but really uh, ecstatic about the idea or the thought process so it really came together pretty fast um in that time in you know in that time frame and and johnny morris was you know again just right up that that same that same way and i have a ton of respect he's a you know he's a, a great friend of mine and again, I've been super loyal and they've been really loyal to me. So that was really, really important that we we're on the same page there in, in this announcement. You know, I mean, in this sport, nobody ever quits. Nobody ever goes no. away. Um, and, and I'm not either. You know, I mean, it's you look at, um, you know, Roland Martin, Jimmy Houston, Bill Dance, um, you know, Rick Clun. I mean, uh, there's a lot of anglers that are still fishing on tour and and everybody's got you know has their own thought process in that you know how long you want to compete or how long you want to 
do this. And I just, uh, I just came to the conclusion and, you know, again, I think Sherry, she struggled with it, with it more than I did, but I've just come to the conclusion that it's a, it's the right time. You know, it's the right time for me and it, and it was the right time for us. And, uh, after that day, it just, you know, I had a ton of emotions, and a lot of different things going on and, but it's, I'm, you know, I'm at peace with it for sure. And, and it's a relief, I guess, to some, to some extent. And, you know, I wish my, that tournament that week would have, would have started a little better for me. And I, I finished, you know, coming on strong there at the end. And I, I, you know, ended up eight ounces from being cut after the second day after being in basically last place going in. So um, that was frustrating because I felt, you know, as a competitor, I had an unbelievable opportunity and you want your, you know, I want my last season to be special. And even during that tournament, when things were going bad the first day, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't have anything to complain about. You look around, I'm in Florida, I'm in shorts, it's sunny, it's nice weather. Um, I've been super fortunate to be in the position that I'm, that I'm in. Um, but then the competitor kicks in and, you know, I'm like, you ding dong, and you know, you want to kick yourself in the hind end and uh, go. I mean, the hardest thing for me at this point in my career as a competitor is to be able to manage all that experience, all those past terms, all that history that I have and, you know, use it to your advantage without letting it dig you into hole. And that, as you go to, you know, as I'm going down there and things aren't going right, I've never seen conditions like that where the lake got whipped into a mud hole like that by, you know, the winds and stuff before the tournament started to, to know, and I have all these areas that I've caught them in in the past and you just, you know, you, you want to run around and, and that history slowed me down to making the right decisions based on the conditions. And I knew it's it right now. It's like, dum, you know, when I finally made the transition and started doing the right thing, I started jacking them and I'm like, why didn't you do this? If I just started 20 minutes early earlier, it would have been, it'd have been a different story in a whole different week. But so I've got to learn that for the rest of the season. And that one stings. And I can tell you that next year when, and you know, one of the, some tour is going to be going to Toho and I'm going to look back and go, gosh, dang, if I had that one to do over again, you know, or I wish I was there again this year. So that part is, is never going to change because you know how competitive I am. Uh, yeah. That, you know, so we'll just have to find a new way to, you know, to work that out. So why do you know that now is the right time? Like, Is there something that clicked or did you have a number in your head? Or, you know, why is now? It's just, I don't know. It's just um, a few years ago would have been a really good time. You know, when the whole split happened between the two leagues and all that, that would have been a good time. And Sherry begged me, tried to get me to, but I just, in my mind, and I've, I'm hard headed like that. And, and that would have been a good time. You know, I just think, you know, looking back now, gosh, if I would have retired then I, I could be so far ahead in this next phase of my career that I'm about to start right now. And, you know, but I just wasn't ready. I mean, I was just too competitive, too, too stubborn, whatever you want whatever you want to call it. And, um, it just, I, I don't know. I, I love the competition. Um, and I told you before, I mean, my favorite thing 
about this sport is is the competition and the people. You know, I love yeah. the I love the people. You know, whether it's the the other anglers, um, the you know the the staff, the tournament staff. I mean, it's like a second family to you, and you spend a lot of time with them. And that'll be probably one of the hardest things. But you know, I mean, you there's still I'm still going to be around at at and events and ICAST and, you know, World's Fishing Fair out. So I'll still see a lot of people and a lot of my good friends that are in the industry, you know, again, like, like a Bill Dance or a Roland Martin or uh, even Klon or whatever, that's the only times you see them really is, is at these other events anyway. So that won't change, but the day-to-day, -day, um, you know, people, uh, you know, when I always roomed with Scott Rook and Davey Hyde, I mean, Scott and I talk a few times a year now where we, you know, we were together all the time and, and Davey and I talk a lot still. I mean, we were, Davey and I, uh, their family and ours have been close since Parker was a little kid, you know I mean? When he started. Yeah. So, so we talk quite a bit more, but um, you know, right now I'm, I room with Casey Ashley and, and his wife, Kenzie and the Robinsons and, and Jonathan. And um, you know, so I told them, the night before. I mean, they didn't have any idea either. And I, they're pretty shocked as well, you know? So I guess I shouldn't be so surprised by you uh, when, when we, when Sherry and I called you to, to tell you that, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's your family, you know? I mean, that's who you're used to spend. That's your second family and it's who you're spending time with. And that'll be one of the harder things to deal with for sure. Yeah. And I'm being on the road and not, and and I don't think, I mean, I think I was shocked, but I was also like trying to search for the right, uh, you know, how momentous of an occasion it is. You know what I mean? Like your buddy's <laughs> retiring from what I think is the most, I don't think I know is the most dominant career ever in our sport. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be good at talking and I'm keep searching for like, what am I supposed to say now? And I'm, I'm all I just kept saying is, Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> what have other anglers reaction been like? Um, yeah, I mean, there's I've seen kind of seen it all across the board. I, I think there's a lot of guys that are because, you know, guys are competitive. Right. And yeah. from a competitive standpoint, you know, I've had a lot of them like, man, it's just not going to be the same with you out there, you know, and I'm like, yeah, guys, I'm sorry, but, you know, this is the this is the decision that I've, you know, that I've made and it, it is, but I mean, it's overall been really positive. I got a ton of texts and phone calls and, uh, you know, lots of response on social media and, uh, you know, it's been, it, I, I, I mean, there's not, been, I haven't seen, and I haven't, I guess I haven't looked, but I haven't seen really anybody say anything negative, but I mean, why would they either? I, I would hope they wouldn't. Yeah. Maybe there's some riddance, you know, glad you're gone, but uh, I haven't heard, I haven't heard any of it. And again, the people that I know that I'm have relationships with and friends have been just overwhelmingly supportive and, and, you know, when you live it, you understand, uh, you know, what it's, what it's like in 33 years or, you know, that's, that's a lot. And it doesn't seem like it. That's a, no. that's a weird thing to say. It just it seems like yesterday I was uh, Sherry has been going through and and 
kind of that's what she does. She's very a very organized person, right? And she does yeah. a lot of uh, things and show when the kids were little, I mean, the amount of pictures that she took of the kids, of the boys when they were younger and the things that we did and all the experiences and that we have, she has a whole huge closet full of that stuff. So she was going through a lot of old pictures and I saw one that she had laid out that she found. It was Louis Stout and I um, with our first book right after we'd gotten it published the very first time. And I mean, I look like I'm 13 years old and he looks like he's 30, you know, I mean, it's just, and it's like, wow, it just seems like yesterday that happened. And then when you look at the picture, it's like, yeah, that was, you know, that was 1992 when that happened. So it goes quick and I, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't trade it for anything for sure. The, have you even stopped to look at what you've accomplished or is that like, I, I feel like you're just so goal oriented and so competitive that I don't know that you'll ever realize how much like you personally yourself, you know what I mean? Like, to have, like when you've started this, did you have, I know you always said you wanted to win and did you have any idea that it would become what it is? No, definitely not. And that's, it's not why I ever, it's not why I ever did it or why I continue to do it. I mean, obviously you want to win every time. I mean, it's just like, that's why I, I can't get over this last tournament. You know, it just yeah. drives me crazy and I know better, you know, you can't, you don't carry that with you and you move on. Um, you know, we've, we've got red crest this coming week and I've got to focus on that, but it's still the, the thing that I take solace in, in that tournament as bad as it started is that, I did figure it out and I was on the right deal to have a, you know, to have a, to have a chance to, you know, to win the thing, you know, Chris Lane and I started a hundred yards apart from each other the first day and neither of us caught nothing. And I mean, it changed much, but he made the right adjustments and um, was able to, to kind of put it together. And then when I finally figured it out, it was like, Oh my gosh, this isn't that hard. And uh, it started clicking and, those are the things that I look back at. And I can tell you, there's many times over my career where um, you maybe I finished 30th, maybe I finished 40th, maybe you didn't even make the cut or you finished third or 10th or whatever. But just those little decisions that held you back and kept you from an opportunity to win. But the thing about it is, is that I was this close to, yeah. to it, you know, and it that's just the nature of it, you know. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are really, really good now and it's super competitive and it, it it just shows how hard it is. And and if you're not one of those guys out there competing under those conditions, you don't truly understand and appreciate that. But in my mind, um, I know that I'm as competitive as I've ever been. And, and I, you know, I'm still, I haven't forgot how to catch them or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to win at the top level in this sport. So I do not take any of that for granted. I don't take any, you know, it's, we went through the same thing a few years back, you know, when I, at the tail end of my elite series career there, he's like, Oh, when is Kevin going to ever win? I hadn't won in a while. And then, you know, things just line up and, you know, I got, you know, two, three, four, you know, there in a short period of time. So it just, that's just the way this sport is. It cycles and people get on runs and get hot. And I've watched that time and time over my whole career. You know, I've watched, I remember 
the year that David Fritz won Angler of the Year. I remember when Davey won Angler of the Year. Um, you know, I remember when Brent Chapman won Angler of the Year. I mean, you just see a, a guy that just gets on the right schedule and gets on a roll and and goes. And um, when that's happened to me, I'm smart enough to realize that it's it's special. And you wish you could. I wish I knew how to flip that switch on and off, but there's not a, you know, there's there's it's not an exact guaranteed way to do it. I wish. Yeah. Is is that what makes this sport so frustrating? Because I mean, if you're if you're not putting right, you spend countless hours on a you know a putting green learning, you know, t- yeah. getting getting that negative out of you. But in this sport, like it's that mental switch that everybody talks about, like what angler of the year season, they it's just something different but you can't make it happen as a competitor. Yeah. Is that frustrating? It, it is because yeah. when you're um, it's, it's the most frustrating when things aren't going well, because yeah. you know, or I do, I know in my mind that, man, I'm doing the right things. I'm making the right decisions. I'm, I'm putting the work in, I'm, I'm practicing hard. I'm doing the, re- you know, I'm doing my research. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to be successful and to win. And yet, it's not happening, you know, like say golf, it's so much about being, you know, repetitive, repetitive training, right. To learn that swing and, and fishing, it has nothing to do with that at all. You know, obviously you got to be skilled at casting and skipping boat docks and, and flipping and uh, you know, be adept with a spinning rod and a bait caster and all those things and a lot of techniques, but that's just a given beyond that. It's, it's all about those little decisions and timing and reading the, uh, the weather and, and adapting to changes. And it's, it's, there's no formula for it. There's no, you can't just read a book and be good at it. You can't, you can't just get a coach and say, well, you're, you're going to all of a sudden turn the corner. Uh, it's, it is such a mental game and not that other sports are the, the same i'm extremely mental to keep your focus uh to do that but i think you can learn certain aspects that of of a sport like golf that you can't in fishing yeah yeah it's there's a lot less variables i mean you you're if you're driving good you're probably driving good on the next course you know what i mean if you're putting good you know you, there's yeah and in some ways i think in pro fishing and you might have just even hit on it a few minutes ago every the more time you spend doing it the more knowledge you gain but you also have to be able to catalog and retrieve the right information at the right times which i mean is when you think about it like that's like asking a golfer to explain the master's course every year for the last 33 years like it's it's almost impossible yeah, but you do see that um, in the schedule, you know, where the schedule lines up to fit a guy's strengths. Yeah. And it's the same in, in golf or so I have a lot of NASCAR buddies, too. And you see, you know, they're they're good at a certain style of track, whether it's a short track or a mile and a half or whatever. And, and you know, when they when the it works out like that, that's when they get in those little runs and they win two, three races in a row or, you know, or, you know be in the in the top five because it just is a comfort level and 
Uh, I've had that plenty of times over my career too, where you just, I mean, look, Kentucky Lake, the first week of June, you know, you, you do that run where you go from Gunnersville to Kentucky Lake, to, you know, uh, what, you know, to anywhere up and down the Tennessee river in that time frame, And that's just something that I've got a, a great feel for. And other guys would be the same thing. You know, they start out in, in Florida, you know, Terry Scroggins is going to probably have a good start when you go from, you know, Okeechobee to the St. John's river to, to kick off the season, you know, yeah. cause that's his, that's, that's what his comfort level is. And, and you see that in our, in our sport for sure. One of the things that I've heard in other sports and especially in MMA and stuff like that, when you get a long running champion and they lose one of the most shocking things were, and he was honest, Anderson Silva, when he lost, they asked him what emotion you're feeling right now. And his first reaction was relief. And I think it's one of the things that nobody talks about in competitive sports but the weight of the crown or whatever. And that sounds funny, but, but, and I'm not meaning that you had the crown your entire career, but you carry a lot of the industry. And on top of that, you put so much pressure on yourself to constantly be competitive. It is, do you feel any of that? Do you feel any of kind of a, whew, a relief? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I think I've, I've put as much pressure on myself to, to win as I ever have. And it's been hard, you know, um, over my career, I mean, I have competed in every format from points to pounds to, you know, we started seven fish and it's five fish. And, you know, we did uh, mega bucks formats, you know, we, <laughs> we did the E fifties, you know, we, We've done uh, major league fishing, every fish counts, all these, all these things, and I, I can tell you that the it the one thing that I'm pretty relieved of is we're back at a five fish limit this year. I mean that fits me for sure a lot better. But I love that feeling of, of fishing those cups where you know, especially when I love it, I loved it the most when it's no information, no practice, no nothing. You just show up you find out where you're going and then you got to put it together. I think that's a strength of mine. So it gives me a lot of confidence, you know, but when we practice and show up and every fish counts, it's hard, man. That's, it's the hardest format I've ever competed in for sure. And now with the five fish format going back and, and that's, you know, what most everybody's used to and accustomed to just like that last tournament, it was way different for me. I, I had a really bad first day. I only caught three fish for five, five and a half pounds or something like that. And I'm way behind. And I knew I had to catch 20 to, to catch up. And, uh, you know, if it was a, every fish counts, I'd have been probably even way further behind in, in that situation. But, but even so the mentality is there. It's like, Hey, um, you know, you've got to, you've, you've got to catch a big bag today. You've got to, you know, you better fish the right conditions and the baits to be able to do that. And that's kind of what I like. I think that mental toughness part of it is something that I thrive on um, or I, I have, uh, yeah. it doesn't work out every time by, by any means, but uh, you know, my whole arsenal, my mentality, my, my bait selection, the things that I'm doing is, is night and day different than it was a year ago based on that. So, uh, so that, that part to me, 
it, it's I'm right back in my comfort zone again, I guess. So for 28 years, I fished a certain way with that with that level. And then oh, we make this change and you got to relearn yeah. some things for sure. And then now I'm back to and it, it just felt I mean, I felt right at home. I didn't have a good of you know, I you know, it doesn't show it from my finish, but mentally I'm right back there. So that mental toughness part of your career, and, and that, to be honest, it's one of the things that I think is synonymous with you, being driven, attitude is everything. That's. But when did that yeah. start for you? Were you like, when you first showed up at Bass, did you have that same mental toughness, or did, was that something you had to grow into or mature into? I think early on, um, I didn't. I, I learned it through winning. You know, when, when you win... It's like, oh, this is way different. It's a different feeling. It's a different reaction from everybody. And so, um, you know, I won a tournament, you know, the first one I ever won, 100 at Lake Lanier. And going through it at the time, I'm just out there just scrambling every day, trying to catch as much as I can. And yeah, you think, and it didn't really sink in until afterwards. And before that, uh, when I started, you know, my first season, I made a check in every tournament for a long time. And it was kind of a big deal. It, you know, it was a record then. I've probably been broken since then, but I had like, I don't know, 23 tournaments in a row where, you know, I was in the money. I, I think it was 23, something like that. And the media started to build on that. So then it was my focus, you know, after at tournament 15, it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to make sure that I don't miss, you know, don't miss the cut in, in this deal. And so I fished more conservatively through that. And then once I started, you know, once I won, then it changed things. And the more you win, the more it, you know, it changes you. And I learned a lot from, and I, I told you this before, I learned a lot from, from Denny Brower, you know, back in the early days of my career, Denny was one of the best closers in the business, you know, Larry Nixon and him both. Um, when they got within striking distance, they, they would be, a force to be reckoned with, and especially Denny, because Denny would not be scared to take a big risk, change up what he's doing to go try to catch a 20 pound bag when he was seven pounds back to, to have a chance to win. And I watched him do that a few times. And I saw that determination and that mentality. And I'm like, Oh, okay, this is what, this is how you, how you got to play. And um, it, it took time to, you know, that was something that I had to learn, so to speak. Right? And you have to get in a comfort zone. And, you know, for a young angler starting out, there's no way you can do that. There's too much pressure to perform, to survive, to, you know, you know, you're, you're trying to attract sponsors, keep the sponsors you got. You're trying to build your career. It's, you know, people say that you, I've seen it a million times. You know, hey, I'm, I'm going to go out today. I'm behind. I'm going to swing for the fence. How many yeah. times have you heard that? And, <laughs> I can see it in their eyes. They're not swinging for the fence. And I've seen that in a lot of seasoned pros too. I see that they're scared. I see that scared look. And that's one thing I can promise you is I've never been scared. So when we hear people say, when that person learns to win, look out, that's a real thing. Or is that, sometimes I wonder, no, it, is. it feels like just swinging for the fences. Like, well, but I mean, if you're saying it's real, it's real. I, I, I believe it's real. I mean, I've seen that with a lot of anglers that, that 
that have success for a long time and then then just can't um they just can't get you know get over the hump and and there's some guys that 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 never win but um you know you take a look at a guy like bill owen for example bill has been super successful and it it you know he's had a lot of good tournaments and been close and then to see him win at pickwick i mean there's not a more deserving guy yeah. there. And I, and that's to me is the perfect case of somebody like that, that um, it, it took him that. And now I'll promise you his, his mentality is, is different. You know, he had a really good event uh, last week, you know, in, in Florida. Well, it's actually Georgia uh, at yeah. Seminole, but, um, and I, when I saw Bill up there in the top and it, you know, and was, you know, getting after it like that. I'm like, yeah, I like the way he's fishing and what he's doing. That's a dangerous guy. And it didn't work out, but the next time you keep putting yourself in that position and you have that right mentality, he's, he's going to knock off a few more wins. And, and that's what happens is when guys finally learn that and have that confidence where they're going out there and fishing truly and believe in themselves, they're not scared anymore. That's a dangerous, that's a dangerous person. Take me through what you, because I, I think this is one of the things you don't get credit for in your career. And I think if everybody just stops and looks at it, it it's one of the most amazing things. Your career started with fireworks. I mean, like you said, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you didn't, you didn't have those few years where, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how to make the classic making the classic was, was just what you did. You know what I mean? Your levels of success were whether it's this high or this high, but it was always high. And then all of a sudden you hit the drought, however many years it was four or five years, you went without a win and everybody, you know, every tournament angle on earth wanted to believe that KVD is done and he's never going to win again. But to, to have been somebody who was that lethal from the start, and to have to kind of step back and be like, how do I fix where I'm at? Was yeah. that a process for you or did, did it, was it the same all the way through? And then the winds just started coming again. Yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a different, it wasn't a change. You know, I, I heard it, but in my mind, I mean, I knew I was doing what I do and fishing. And like I said, those opportunities were there and just, I just didn't, you know, this didn't go right. Or you'd miss a fish here or there and it's, you missed a caught or you don't make the final day. And you just, you know, I wasn't in my mind far off and I wasn't, my system wasn't broke and it just, you know, I was able to turn the corner, but it was the same for earlier in my career. You know, it took me, uh, I think, it was, I was 11 years in before I won my first classic. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where a lot of the media is like, oh, you know, he's a great angler, but he can't win the big one. You know, doesn't, doesn't win. Um, it just, just can't, can't do it. And so that was, I can tell you when I won my first classic, that was a big relief. And it was another one of those learning periods. It's like, okay. The classic is a different tournament. It's not yeah. a top 100. It's not an invitational. It's not an, you know, it's, it's a different animal. It's three day tournament, small field should be easy to win, but everything else that, that went around the classic, especially back in those days, um, 
man, the, it was just really, really intense. It was hard to, hard to do. And I had to learn in those early classics when it was summertime, I thought for a while that, man, I need to focus on offshore deep fish because they're going to be less pressured. Well, what I learned is that the exact opposite is true. Those are the most pressured fish by having an armada, or, you know, um, armada of boats around you. Yeah. And I always had one, you know, I mean, my whole career, um, gosh, man, I've, I've, I've got, got lots of stories like that, you know, uh, crazy, crazy things happening around you out in the water and, and, and fans affecting the, the game. And that's part of it when you fish public water. So, so I, it took me a while to learn that you, you know, the place to be in those deals is fishing shallow. And now that we're fishing, you know, the classic and red crest are both springtime events. It's typically, depending on the lake, it's typically a, a, a shallower deal. But the thing that's really helped with that is because it's so much better to watch live now, to watch as a fan, than it is to be. If you're a spectator boat and you're 100 yards away with binoculars, you're not seeing the same thing as, as having, you know, a camera guy right in the back of your boat and you're watching him. You can see exactly how he turns the reel and what he's doing and listen to every word he's saying. Um, live bass fishing has totally changed the, the sport. You know, I mean, I used to be able to get away with a lot of things, keep a lot of things secret until that started. TV, you know, TV changed it a little bit, but those shows wouldn't be, you know, they weren't real time, you know, like it is, uh, like it is now. Uh, you know, I've been like, for instance, you look at how a jerk bait is such a year round lure. I mean, for years and years and years, it was, it's always been for me. And, you know, I think some eye-opening events were, you know, I won a MLF cup and lacrosse, um, in the late summer with a jerk bait up there and at Ross Barnett at one yeah. of the elites, I ended up fishing second to canal jerk baiting a lily pad field yeah you know nobody was like oh that's dirty water nobody would ever thought to to do that and so it you know that's the things that you're seeing and not just me but every pro angler out there that's on live when you know tournaments are not won very often by the way that you would think or that the you know the traditional way that they would fish you know at that lake at that time of year the way the locals would would say, well, hey, at Rayburn in the spring, you should be throwing a red, you know, red eye shad and, and around the bank. And some guy goes out there with a Demiki rig and you know, 30 foot of water or a 10 XD or something like that and 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 wins. They're typically not one. I mean, look at Okeechobee. <laughs> in a million years, would you think that somebody would be winning with forward facing sonar in Okeechobee. I, when I looked at the schedule, I'm like, yeah, the season, it's not going to be, um, you know, you're not going to see that be a big factor there. I'm, I'm looking at, we're starting off at Toho and Kissimmee. I'm like, yeah, and Toho and the offshore grass of definitely mega live is, is going to, is going to be a factor. And, and it was to an extent, but um, you know, I, these first three tournaments of the year, forward facing sonar was a lot more uh, viable than, I thought it would be going in and you look at, you know, we're at Lake Norman next. I mean, you look at the way the schedule's going, you know, it's liable that every tournament all season long um, is 
forward-facing sonar is going to be a factor. So, I mean, don't think that I'm not working my tail off to learn it. Um, and not just me, but I can tell you all the engineers that I know at Hummingbird and the whole team there, they are busting their tail to make improvements with it every single day. And, and I'm sure that the competition is too. I mean, the the team at Lawrence and at Garmin, they, they've got to be, it's a, it's a space race, so to speak. And it's, you know, it's one of those things, but it's no different than what we're trying to do at Strike King compared to the guys at Rapala or Berkeley or, or Sixth Sense or whoever other lure company is. We're all trying to build the new, the next best mousetrap, the next best thing, the thing that uh, makes a difference, that makes you more efficient, that helps you out there on the water. And that's what, that's what competition drives. And it's, that has never been, uh, you know, it's, it seems like it's maybe more evident now, but it's been that way since the start of my career. And we're yeah. always trying to find, you know, it tournaments drive innovation, always have, always will. It's what drives our sport. What do you think the long-term effect of forward-facing sonar is on? Uh, it's, it's hard. It's going to be hard for me to say exactly, but that being, that being said, um, it's helping a lot of people be more successful. Yeah, it's definitely doing um, that. Yeah, I mean, my dad's 84 years old, and he's had a lot of health issues. And one of the things that that really was motivating for him last year is I started to tell him about Mega Live, how cool it would be on his pontoon boat for bluegill fishing at his little you know lake that he lives on, and. I set one up on his pontoon and went out there and I'm like, oh my God, this is, you know, it's incredible. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, just how, how good it is, you know, I mean, you still got to make them bite, but yeah. it helps you find the fish. And, and just like what we're seeing on tour is you see in real time, how they're reacting to your presentation so that you can make a change. So you can change colors, you can change your cadence, you can change from a jerk bait to a, a, you know, a swim bait or a Dabiki rig or a drop shot or something like that to get these fish to actually commit. And we've never been able, we've always guessed my whole career. I've you know guessed at that. And it totally, since I started using May Live, it, it's totally changed. What I thought I knew was fact for 30 plus years is totally throwing it all out the window. Like bass always relate to structure and you know, they're always going to be at least around a depth change or something like that. Well, I can tell you this. There is so many fish just randomly roaming around out in the open. It's ridiculous. And um, it, that's that's what it's that's what it's done. You know, people but people got wound up uh, at at side imaging when it came yeah. out. They, they did with the Alabama rig. Um, but this is it. It is one of the greatest innovations, if not the greatest in, innovation in sonar technology in my career. And it's, uh, it's here to stay. I mean, it's, they're not, it's not good. It's not going away and it's very intriguing and the same thing will happen. I mean, uh, it, people will learn it more. It's going to get, it's, it's going to get easier. It's going to get less expensive. Um, and in the end, the main thing is, is it's helping a lot of people have a much more enjoyable time on the water. And I mean, as a tournament anglers, we're just a small group of people that, that fish. And I mean, it, it's dominating tur bass tournaments right now, 
but it'll bleed over, I think, into, uh, you know, into other species for salmon and trout, for walleye. And where I I think it probably has the most potential is in saltwater, you know, to to know that a marlin came up and and just looked at your your spread, but didn't didn't commit to it or didn't come to the top or didn't show himself. It would be a big deal, you know, then, you know, hey, I got to change the color of my bait or my boat speed or whatever. So and, you know, that's where I see uh, the future really expanding. I mean, this is just the beginning. I think, I mean, people, people complained at first about cameras, right? Underwater cameras. And, you know, what's the next step was going to be forward facing sonar. That's x-ray vision. You know, I mean, who knows what the, what the future holds. I said this, uh, I did a walkthrough video on my boat and I'm like, man, if I would have told you at the beginning of my career, 32 years ago, that I'd have five graphs on my boat, I'd have told you you're crazy. And yeah. now if you want to be competitive on tour, you better have a mega 360, a mega live, you know, uh, a, a, a graph just for mapping. And I mean, you just, you, you, it's, it's such an important tool um, out there as a professional that you have to have it and you better learn it. So, and I've, you know, people say, well, the young guys are, are this and that. My problem is, is I, I don't want to trust it hundred percent. I, I, and I see it on our tour. There's a handful of guys that that's all they do. They go yeah. around and, and they're just, yeah, we call it flashlighting around. They're beaming around looking and that's all they do. They don't even, they're not even casting until they see one. And it doesn't yeah. matter if you're in Florida or Michigan or Texas or wherever. And, and, and a lot of times it, it works, but boy, you can, it's an epic fail at times too. So I'm, what I've really learned is it's a great addition to my style um, as a power fisherman. I'm covering a lot of water. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly looking around and I'm, I'm seeing fish follow a bait. And then I know to make that change or to make an adjustment. In a lot of cases I can do it on that cast and, and catch them. I've, I had a couple of really good tournaments last year that mega live was a big factor in as an addition to just the, you know, the cranking pattern that I was on or the jerk bait pattern that I was on just, just really added to it. But I I've never gone out there and just like, Oh, Hey, I'm just, just scanning around and don't even make a cast until you see them. But um, there's, there's times when you do do that, but I'm still fishing and, and just really integrating it into it. So the, you know, whether you, whether you like it or not, it's, it's here to stay. And I'm, I'm here to embrace it for sure. Do, do you think it's one of the first times in the sport where the, the young guys actually have, they come equipped with an advantage over some of the older anglers? I I don't think so. Um, that being said, but I'll tell you, this is that there is no substitute for experience yeah. out there on the water. And what the young guys now today, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the guys on tour, but you watch these college anglers coming up high, you know, the top high school and college anglers coming up is there's so much information out there that we didn't have, you know, at the beginning of my career. Um, you know, there's a million, you can use your phone, pull up a million YouTube videos, uh, on how to learn a technique or, uh, depth finder settings or anything like that. 
and you can watch all this live bass fishing and you know there's so much more information you know when i started it was you know sunday morning watching bill dance and hank parker and jimmy houston and reading bassmaster magazine and that was that was it and then going to a sports show and hearing one of those guys talk i mean you know seminars were a a big deal you know i mean i did a ton of bass universities and people ate those up and then we gave a you know a lot of people a lot of confidence and a lot of head start now you can you can pull all of that and 10 times more just on your phone and yeah. that's what's really helped uh the learning curve for these young anglers so and they're putting in the work i mean you watch uh you know i watched the lee brothers from the start you know i mean they were the first they're probably the first two uh, guys that came up to the college ranks to have a lot of success and you know they are prodigies of the former generation you know Jordan Lee said it plenty of times I mean he's uh, but he's putting the time in on the water and and learning these bodies of water and learning new techniques and and pushing himself to go and I mean and that's the difference you know I mean you can't not put the put the work in and you see the same thing. I mean, yeah. there's now um, these guys all are going pre-fishing every lake. Uh, they're doing, you know, they're doing their homework. They're spending a lot of time on Google Earth. They're you. It's it's the same thing that's happened in other professional sports. Uh, when I grew up, you could in high school you could play football, baseball, and basketball, and and be good not anymore you better focus on on one and work at it 365 24 7 if you ever want to make it to division one in college well yeah. in the in pro fishing it's the it's the same way you have to put the time and effort in from a you know from an eight or earlier age yeah there's young anglers but they're not young at at fishing you know they've they've learned there and it's it's the same in football or uh, any of those other sports as well you know they put their time in and, and put them do you, do you think the days of a specialized pro like a denny brower they used to say you know he's, he's your jig guy you know david fritz is a cranking guy but that and it was like you could sustain a career at one time but it doesn't feel like that anymore to me it feels like you have to be so well-rounded what's your thoughts i yeah I would agree with you. You you have to be really well rounded. Um, you can't just be a power fish. That's something that I learned later in my career. Is like, hey, these guys are too good. You can't leave a spot that's got a bunch of fish on it. You know, just because they're not biting a crankbait anymore, you better pick up a shaky head, and and you know play clean up on it as well. And that's, I think that's really really evident. Now you see guys still shine, just like we talked about yeah. earlier when you come into a body of water that really fits their true strength, but, but you better be good at all of it. And I think from the beginning that one of the things that really helped me was coming from Michigan where we have a lot of diversity uh, because everybody said, oh, you can't come from Michigan and go to Alabama and Texas and Florida and beat these guys. But there's similar water here to everything that, that I would see. The, the only thing that was a, kind of really flipped me out the very first time was the Potomac River and tidal water, you know, right. to see that, you know, to learn the whole intricacies of tide fishing. But 
reservoirs, you know, in the south are very are actually in a lot of cases a lot easier than fishing natural lakes in the north. Um, so it was being versatile was something that really helped me out a lot. And I think some of the best young anglers you watch right now too. I mean, they're just as good with a drop shot and a spinning rod as they are with a six XD or a flipping stick and a swim jig. You know, I mean, they they're not scared to 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 do any of it. Um, and that's what it takes now. And if you're one dimensional or or you're hard headed, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time being consistent. How hard was it throughout your and still is throughout your entire career to stay on the water and stay driven? Because it feels like in this sport, like at one time when you're first starting, everybody has a lot of time to spend in the water, and then the more successes you achieve yeah. the hardest thing is probably just staying on the water it is um I, I'll, pr I'll promise you there's a lot of people that f end up uh putting a lot more time in than i do and it's just you know it's a product of the success that i've had and the uh you know the commitments that i that i have on my time and you know part, part of it is to is where you're at in your life too you know i mean a, a, a kid that's 23 years old and is not married and um you know is living at home still has a lot of flexibility to to travel i mean the limiting factor is having the finances to to be able to get out there and sponsorship is is not easy to get you know it's never been easy uh to do it, it it's an expensive sport you know you um you know you look at entry fees for the, for the season and expenses. And I mean, you're, you're talking about it's $80,000 before you, before yeah. you ever cash a check is what you're committed to or, or more, you know, and that's not counting any of your equipment. And a lot of guys just, I mean, don't have sponsorship to even for, for their, some of their equipment. And that's, that's a tough thing to overcome. That's a lot of, a lot of pressure. And, it's one of the things that really helped me out is uh, when I started, I had banked my life savings and I had, you know, 20 some thousand dollars in the bank, which at the time was, it wasn't a lot, but it was, a, it was enough to fish my first season of the invitationals to fish those six events, pay the entry fees, not have to sleep in my truck and, and go out there. And fortunately the first tournament of the season, I won a boat that basically I, you know, I was able to sell for $20,000 that, you know, so I, I knew that I was going to be in a good position and, you know, I won another couple boats that year and, you know, had a, had a really good start. So I didn't have to have that pressure. Um, and, and I think a lot of guys that, that get to the top level now, um, you know, for that very first time that that pressure is it's real and it's, it's hard. And if you can be fortunate and, and, fight through that little bit, uh, you know, tough times and her a little success. The opportunities um, are better now than they've, than I think they've ever been for young anglers to come up into the sport. Um, you, you know, it's, it's not necessarily with endemic companies, but, you know, bass fishing is so much more widely known as a, as a professional sport than it was when I started. And, I, I give all the credit in the world to the era at Bass for that. I mean, they brought 
professional bass fishing to the mainstream sports fan for the first time. And, uh, you know, there's nobody that is more aware of that than me, because that's, that's the era when, you know, I, I had a lot, I won a lot of championships and titles during that time. And, and I saw it and felt it. And it, after that period, um, it changed, you know, I mean, they, they were with us, I guess they, they sold bass after 10 years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, 2008 was a rough time, uh, you know, for the, for the country as a whole with the, you know, that big economic downturn. And, you know, I think they sold it in 2010, but that era right there was, you know, you remember when they first started, you got involved in, in with bass Zona got in there. You know, I remember the first show was loudmouth bass and they had that whole block on Saturday mornings uh on espn two of, of just bass fishing you know right. and it, it and the coverage and and that that right there is what every angler that's out there as a professional today they can thank for um you know having the opportunities that they have is because that really really brought it mainstream yeah yeah there's nobody winning espies anymore for bass fishing which you did no <laughs> yeah and that was that was part of that for sure. Part of that, uh, you know, ESPN in, influence there. I mean, to be able to go on Mike and Mike, um, yeah. you know, and go go to do the ESPN car wash, and I did it, you know, multiple times just from winning those classic and angler of the years through that era. Um, that's you can't, you know, that that's really extremely valuable and it that's one of the you know one of the reasons that my name and brand is is what it is for it so i mean i'm very thankful for all of those people then and um and and you know hopefully we can continue to to see that but now it's entrenched in people's minds i mean there's there's not a casual sports fan out there that hasn't seen professional bass fishing on tv i mean it's it's on too many networks now it's on too many cable channels it's um it's in the you know it's we're traveling around we get a lot of news coverage and all these towns we go to uh, and things like that so people are much more aware of it than they were you know uh before that era yeah and, and the sport in generally is is more visible just even simply from wraps some people used to show up in town with a few stickers in their truck well now everybody's got wrapped vehicles and what was it like to, I mean, to go to the ESPYs and stuff like that? Like, how were you received by other mainstream athletes? It was, it was super cool. Um, so Sherry and I went and we got picked up uh, at the airport in a limo to go to the ESPYs. And one of the other athletes that was, uh, there's two people that, that came, that rode with us to the hotel. One was Pete Weber, the, the professional bowler. Okay. And the other one was Lawyer Malloy, who was um, played for the Patriots the first year that the Patriots won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. And, and he, he was really friendly to us and just just blown away. Just like, oh, my God, you're a professional bass fisherman. That's really cool. They knew nothing about it, nothing about fishing. And every time we seen him or his teammates through, you know, all the different events through there, he'd always pull us in. And, um, actually, my wife sat with uh, Tom Brady's sister and parents at the ESPYs, you know, when I got my award 
Blackburn and we spent time with them, you know, at the after parties and things like that. And I got to meet a lot of really cool people there. So it was, it was an incredible experience, you know, uh, the whole, the whole week. And, and I think just like myself, there was a whole lot of athletes there that were just super stoked to be a part of, you know, such an honorable award show. I mean, there's, that's the Grammys for, for sports, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I, and I, I think that gets, I, I don't, it's weird how ESPN doesn't get the love that they deserve. You know what I mean? Like it's, you you don't have to search hard to see somebody, oh, ESPN destroyed Bass Vision. ESPN. No. They, I mean, they put Bass and, Vision on steroids. Well, and I'll tell you, um, there's a couple of people that were really, really instrumental in making that happen. And uh, Jerry McInnes for sure was, was one of them. I mean, you know, he spent a lot of time there, uh, but Jim Wilburn was also, you know, I mean, Jim did a ton of programming with him and uh, he's he, one of the reasons that ESPN bought Bass originally. I mean, those guys, those guys, and, and a lot of other people too, um, really put it on some of the top executives there at ESPN on their radar. And, you know, they they thought that, I think that they, they were a little bit maybe arrogant in their thought that they could easily make it the next big thing, you know, the next World Series next of NASCAR. Or PBR or whatever it was. Yeah. And um, it just, it, they didn't truly understand the fan base and, you know, for whatever reason. And, and then again, I think 2008 was a, uh, uh, a big, a tough time decision for them where, you know, as a big corporate company like that, they had to decide what they were going to do with the future with it. And, and that's when they decided to, to flip it. But boy, they put a lot of dollars into it um, in those beginning years, you know, 2001, 2002, early 2000s. And, um, you know, a whole lot of people benefited from it. You know, I mean, the, the coverage um, still, you know, I mean, Jer like you say, Jerry was very much uh, an innovator. Um, you know, uh, he's the first guy to ever, I mean, who would think you'd show up to cover a bass tournament and, with a helicopter, right? <laughs> to get that aerial coverage. We didn't have drones and the helicopters was the drone. So, I mean, I can tell you, I remember running down Kentucky Lake one time and Steve Bowman was hanging out the helicopter with the, with a camera with his camera and the 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 rail that they land with a helicopter it bumped my front butt seat and I'm running down the lake at 70 mile an hour at Kentucky Lake leading the tournament and they're that close to me over the top of me and that that hit my front butt seat and that freaked me out there a little bit because I'm like holy cow I would never want them to hook that could have been bad but I mean those shots that they got uh, were epic. And they, that's the one thing that the whole group at JM has always done is they push themselves and push the envelope to, to, to look, to do it differently, to do it better, to go beyond, to think outside the box, uh, to cover the sport, to show the, the mainstream sports fan, what we feel as anglers. And, you know, I mean, you know how I, I love it. I love bass fishing. It's so special. But to be able to show that and convey that feeling and that emotion that we that we have as competitors to the fans. And that's that's the one thing that, um, you know, that they really did uh, a phenomenal job with and, and still do. I mean, the coverage today in, in bass fishing is is 
you know, it's the best it's ever been for sure. Um, and there's always, you know, we're trying, everybody's trying to find new ways to show more and do more and things like that. So it's harder than ever to keep in a, keep a secret. I can tell you that there's no more secret colors, secret baits, secret techniques, because you don't miss anything anymore. Yeah, no, you see everything and, and not just the bait, but how they're working it and how it, it's today's coverage is, is fantasy land stuff as little as 10 years ago. Like if you said 10 years yeah. from now, there's going to be the actual live fish and you can you can see somebody that's 50 miles away from the venue and what they're doing. It, it's it's literally fantasy land stuff. Um, so what now? What what is what are you going to do now? Sherry says I'm working. <laughs> now we're I um again my my main focus is I want, you know, I I love this sport. Um I like the people. Um I have a whole lot of friends that are engaged and involved in it. I mean, everybody, you know, it's it's what I know the most. And yeah. uh, I've like I said, I've always tried to be a great ambassador for fishing um for conservation and for the future of it johnny morris has been a a huge inspiration to me i've i've seen a lot of the things that he's done behind the scenes um in different areas of the country fresh salt water uh you know fishing hunting outdoors land conservancy to uh you know the everglades okeechobee all different kinds of things that nobody even has any idea of to make sure that you know, we've got a sport going forward in the future. And, you know, as technology gets better and anglers get better and more people start doing it, you know, the TVA is not building more lakes. So it's it's very important that um, these fisheries uh, are taken care of. And I think our biologists and our state fisheries agencies are smarter and better than ever. And the tournament organizations as a whole have never worked closer with the states than they do. Now, I know that, you know, um, from the work that, that we've done, um, you know, I've, we, we've done a lot with our foundation the last few years with some habitat enhancement and stocking programs um, at some of the places that we've been. And they realize what a great resource it is when a Bassmaster Elite or a Bass Pro Tour event comes to town for them to collect data about a fishery, you know. And that's going to be that's going to be real critical in the future. So, you know, that is something that is important to me. But also just I love spreading the word about how much fun fishing is and what a great family sport it is. Um, just it's a great way. You know, we do it as a job. Right. I'm a competitor. You make your living around it as well. But well, that it's their relief. It's their recreation. Yeah. It's what they do on the weekend it's what they do to get away from uh the pressures of their life or their job or whatever it is that, that's bothering them it, it's what helps you forget uh and and that emotion when you catch a big one or uh you know you see one eat a top water or whatever that that that's pretty dang special and so to help people be more successful on the water um, to be an educator influencer ambassador that's what i want to do and uh, today's platforms are, you know, as you know, I mean, if they, there's television shows, it'd be real easy to say, well, hey, let's just go start a TV show. But um, there's a lot more options and avenues out there. And again, I'm uh, that's really what I want to focus to do is to be 
you know, a communicator, an influencer, an ambassador for for fishing and and bass fishing, especially for you know competitive fishing too. You know, it's it's my whole life. It's what yeah. I what I love, and I want to continue to to do that. So that's what we're we're working and, and building, you know, towards now I've got, you know, I've got this season on tour. So it's time-wise um, it's, you know, it's still a lot of weeks uh, on the road, but we're, we've got a lot of different things planned that we're going to be doing in between events and that this year. And, uh, and next year it'll, you know, the schedule will be a lot freer where I can, uh, you know, do a lot of these things that I haven't had time to for some of my sponsors in the past, you know, do some of these special events and be part of some of these other um, conservation organizations and things like that. I mean, you saw, you know, I've gotten, I'm on the board of the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame yeah. now. I mean, I'm on several different boards and things like that. And those things are very important to me, um, you know, going, you know, really going forward and trying to preserve, you know, the history of it. It's, it, it bothers me to know that there's a lot of young anglers out there right now that don't know how, who Ray Scott was or what he did yeah. for the sport that they're part of right now. So, you know, that, that is a, that's, that's something, you know, history is important. It keeps you, you know, understanding history keeps you from making certain mistakes again in the future. So, so that's part of it. And I'm not, but I, I am definitely looking forward to, um, you know, know having a lot of fun too you know i'm going to enjoy this season um, really sit back soak in those sunrises and sunsets and and just appreciate that time out there and and i love that i mean one of the greatest things about being a professional uh, bass tournament angler is you get to go to some of the best fisheries there are and some of the toughest at times but depending on what mother nature throws at you and um, and I don't, you know, I would have probably never fished the California Delta or, yeah. uh, you know, some of these other places if I wasn't on tour. So I want to keep doing that too. That's probably Sherry calling. <laughs> Is there any, any part of you that's concerned that you'll want to come back? Um, has to be a small part. Like, yeah, I mean, there's you think about it and you know i i would never say never to anything because you just why would you i i don't have to somebody's leaving a message hey, it sounds guys. like all right just telemarketers <laughs> even kvd gets bothered by Telemarketers. It it would not be a complete podcast if you didn't have some <laughs> kind of interruption like that. But so oh um you know at this point I I uh, I, I think I'm good. I, I don't I don't have any intentions or plans that um fishing any more tournaments other than, you know, what I can qualify or specialty tournaments, you know, one of the fun tournaments that, that I did for quite a few years that Johnny put on uh, through Bass Pro Shops was those legends events. I mean, we yeah. did those in the nineties. Um, I'd love to see that or, um, you know, some, some specialty tournaments, things like that. I I'm always going to jump into that kind of stuff. Right. That's, that's kind of fun. Some charity events. I, I love that being part of that kind of, 
that stuff. But to say, hey, I want to jump back out and get back on the Bass Pro Tour or the on the Elite Series or something like that. It's just, uh, and it's a big commitment schedule and time wise. And with the things that I'm thinking, I just it, it's it's not uh, it's definitely not in my in in my plans. But uh, you never know. I mean, I I'm not sure what opportunities will come my way. It's it's also new to this point. Um, and I, and I have ideas in my mind that things that, that I still want to do and accomplish as a person, things that I want to see places I want to go, uh, as well. And, and having a, a little more flexible schedule will allow us to do that. You know, I mean, um, Sherry and I have been together for 35 years. This is our 36th year. We had our 30th year anniversary last year and we never, um, we just couldn't find time together a special trip for that so that's something that i really want to do is you know do so, do something real special because you just can't i mean good luck finding a a, a two-week window yeah. in the in this year now with with uh the way the season runs and it's just it's hard to do and you know i'm 55 years old and i've you know and Fortunately, knock on wood, I have not had any uh, health issues or major, uh, you know, shoulder problems or back problems or things like that. That you know, I I feel good and still act like I'm 16 pretty regular. So, uh, you know, I want to I want to definitely be able to take some time to enjoy some things, but uh, I I don't sit still. I mean, it drives her still. It's like you know, I've, I've always got to be busy. I'm going to be doing some, and, and I love it, man. I, I love that. I love that part of the, of the job too, of the sport. I love developing. I love working with, with companies. And I love, uh, I love being out there with the fans too. I mean, it's, it's very humbling to me to that people, uh, act and, and treat me the way that they do because it's I just all I'm doing is just my job that I love you know and so to to have that kind of support from so many people for so many years it's it's pretty special and I don't take it for granted for sure so I have to ask you this or else I'll get roasted um because this is the rumor floating around and you know I'm sure you've heard it that KVD is retiring going to be away for a little while but then he's going to apply for a legends exemption at bass and come back and fish the elite series <laughs> that's a rumor <laughs> why did you haven't heard that i i have not to be honest oh well maybe i just yeah, hang around so. with a lot of bassmaster people maybe yeah, it's just but... a rumor at bass but um so that's not the plan that is that is not my that is not my plan so if if I if if I was to come back, I don't think I would take an exemption to do it. You know, I'd have to I'd have to go out and grind my way back if I wanted to do that, I think, for my own for my own uh, sanity. Yeah. So, so how are you gonna scratch the competitive itch? Pro cornhole, pro darts, pro Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. No, we'll we'll see. I again um i learned a long time ago you never um you, you never paint yourself into a corner yeah. and, you, and you don't want to uh you know block any don't close any doors you know i have uh 
the rest of my life in front of me and I've got a lot of opportunities, you know, Sherry and I have worked really hard to build um, our credibility and our name and our brand to what it is. And it's, it's obviously uh, going to lead to, to more opportunities and, and I'm going to, we're going to take a look at any, anything that comes down the road and see what makes sense for us where we're at in our life. You know, I mean, I've got two boys that are, uh, you know, grown men now and, yeah. you know, finding their own way in the world too. And it's just like, uh, it, I'm in a, I'm in a different place in my life than I was 10 years ago. And I have, you know, you think about things differently, um, at this point than before. I mean, I think early in your life, you're just so focused on the grind and, you know, trying to get better and be more successful and, um, you know, just to, you know, care of your kids and you know just it's so busy you just get that tunnel vision just focused on keep driving forward and uh you know that at some point you gotta you gotta kind of sit back and, and enjoy the the sunset you know and or the you know take a look at the garden that you that you've built and that's something that uh you know i watched i watched my um grandfather you know work his whole life um and his, his dream was to build a place and retire on a lake and he did he worked his whole life worked his tail off and did that and i mean shortly thereafter his health just really deteriorated he never truly got to live his dream and you know you and i both know i mean you look at aaron martins a great friend of both of ours and uh, what happened to their family is shockingly eye-opening, and unfortunately, I've had plenty, you know, several other scenarios similar of people that that I've known or I'm close to. So, you know, tomorrow is no guarantee, and you know, life is is short, and you have to uh, appreciate it and and enjoy it. But I, I have, you know, no uh, no regrets from you know, what I've done in my career and, uh, you know, I've met so many great people and a lot of great friends. And, uh, that's the, that's going to be the hardest part is, you know, not seeing those people, you know, the, that's what makes our sport the best sport in the world. I think is the, yeah. the people that are part of it all, all the way around it, you, you know, and I, and maybe it's that way in other sports too, but I don't think so. I I don't get that vibe from other. I've I've gotten to know a lot of professional athletes in other sports, and other. And I think we're small enough that it's it's still really really special like that. So that's going to be one of the hard the harder things for me. But you know I don't I'm not going away. So uh, I'm not. I, yeah, I'm not fishing tournaments, but I'm not retiring. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting and it's a transition uh, and I don't know exactly what it's, what it is or where it's going to lead or what opportunities are going to come. But, uh, um, you know, we're going to look at, we're going to look at it all and try to make the decision that, that fits best for us. And, you know, that's important to me, you know, Sherry's a lot smarter than, I would have, you know, I mean, then you, you just, she, she knows me more better than anybody. And, uh, you know, she's got the intuition 
to see things in the future. Um, you know, that's the same thing. I learned that from my dad. My dad used to tell me that, well, someday you're going to look back and say, you know, when I told you this, you're going to say, oh, dad wasn't so dumb after all. Well, you know, my wife is the same way, you know I mean? And you know what I'm saying. Uh, they, those, she's a big part of it. And she's the, she does not like to be in the spotlight. I mean, she doesn't uh, want to, she doesn't like to be in camera, but I can promise you this, she's been a super integral uh, part. And you know that because we're, we're close. And, and uh, but she's, she is a very, very integral part of, of who the KBD brand is. Yeah, no, it's, and you, dude, you don't deserve, or you do, des you totally have worked your ass off and deserve every bit of retirement that you can get. But I think that, uh, I think you you have to be realistic and realize that there's always going to be stuff floating around. I mean, you're Kevin Van Dam. I mean, they, yep. you're our Tom Brady, you know what I mean? And not that Tom came back, but not that that has anything to do with it. But I mean, it, every I think as fishing's just such a fishing's almost like pro fighting. Like, you know what I mean? Mike Tyson's still fighting. <laughs> He's still, there's still that chance of him coming out to fight. <clears throat> and I think because pro fishing's like that, I, I don't think you'll ever, I don't think you'll ever be in a place where people aren't talking about like KVD might be making a comeback. But I think that that's a compliment. Well, yeah, you know, I, I can pretty much tell you without fail um, through my career in whatever it's the, my 33rd season that every five years I can look back and say, yeah, I didn't think that would yeah. work like that. Or I would be, this is the direction. So, you know, that's, you know, one of the things you have to do is you have to be flexible and, uh, you know, uh, look at opportunities as they come and, to me, this is a great opportunity. Um, this this announcement, this time for me, uh, you know, because I I really like say I have a passion as as an influencer and as an educator, and I just I feel like um, it's a it's a good time and a, a great opportunity for me. No, it so definitely is. we'll see. How, we'll see where you know we'll see where it leads, but. Uh, I can't. I don't know, Dave. I can't tell you any any more than what. No, no, what you're I'm good. Feeling at the time, you're, you're good. I'm just not talking, and you keep talking, so I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, <laughs> I need to just shut up. <laughs> um, do you do you, when you look back at your career? Do you have do you have like a moment where you were like, man, that's I was at the top of the mountain right then, or is it just a bunch of flashes of of amazing moments because there were so many um no i don't I, I, there's nothing like that that just one thing that just stands out the one thing that i can tell you as um i got later into my career i it, it i don't think i appreciated uh a lot of the success and things in the you know early to middle part of my career as i did later you know you start to realize that it just it starts to uh sink in a little bit more and it starts to settle around you a little bit more and um you know when 
people said, oh, I don't think Kevin's ever going to, you know, ever going to win again. And then I finally did. It was like, oh, they see, there you go. And then I won again real quick after that. And it's like, gosh, you know, you, you never know when the next one's going to be. And uh, you never know if it's going to be your last one. So you have, and that's what I've learned is to truly appreciate that. And, um, and I, you know, and I'm not the only person, I mean, when I was there, when, uh, Clun won after a really long drought at St. John's River the first time yeah. that he won. And that was that was super special to see. You know, I mean, that's a guy that uh, basically was a big part of how I, you know, molded my career. I mean, I, how many people uh, looked up to Rick Clun from my era, you know, yeah. I mean, and multiple generations. So to see that was was really cool and you know he he said he said never let anybody tell you that um your your best moments are behind you or you know and or something along that exact yeah. line i mean that's basically what it was that and it, there's that's so true i mean you know people told me that i couldn't couldn't make it in this sport when I started there's like you're not gonna do it you're too young it takes too long you're not gonna be successful you're not gonna you I, I never didn't believe. And after I went out and fished the first tournament I ever fished, I knew right then that I could compete at the top level. And I, it was like, nobody was going to tell me, but you have to believe that if you believe the things that people say that that's a, not, you're not going to get very well. I mean, I've, that's what so many kids come up to me and say, man, what, you know, what, what do I need to do? I, this is something I really want to do. And, um, what's the most valuable lesson? And I said, if you truly believe in yourself and you put the work in, you can accomplish anything you put your mind to and don't let anybody tell you any different, but you have, you can't cheat yourself. You, you have to truly believe it and you have to live it. And I, I see that in some of the best young anglers today. I mean, they, they, they're that committed and that focus and, you know, and it pays off. I mean, old saying is like, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get. Well, that's, there's a reason for that because there's, there is no shortcuts. There's no substitute um, for hard work in anything in, in sports or life or, you know, it's just, I don't know why it, it's hard for people to, to see that or understand that, but that's just the, the fact that it is, there, there's no, there's no free lunch. There's no easy, easy way to top. And it's, people might look at somebody else and say, man, I don't know why that guy got lucky. And I guess if you win the lotto or something like that, but, uh, uh, you know, in, in business, the most successful people that I know are workaholics, you know, they just, yeah. it's effort in equal equals effort out. Yeah, if you're going to be successful in anything, you're going to be busy and you're going to be, you, you know, and, and I think that's honestly, and I know this is going to sound bad in some ways, but I think that's why some people want to point to people that made it in the fishing industry or whatever industry and be like, well, they got lucky because of this or this. Because I think sometimes people aren't willing to accept the level of like, while this is a celebration of everything you've accomplished in your career. This is also, you know, you've missed out on a ton through your life because you were driven to accomplish that through your career. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like 
this industry is full of people that were driven to do things that people said they couldn't do. And, and they did it because there was no option other. I mean, right. to, I don't know about you, but like, I never ever thought like, well, what if I can't make a living from the fishing industry? I mean, that's just what I was going to do. And, and I think mm -hmm. everybody, and you're a hundred times that, you know what I mean? But it's just, it's, at the end of the day, it's yeah. work. Like you have to work your ass off. Well, ex exactly. So, I mean, everybody looks at Dave Mercer and goes, oh my God, he's funny. He laughs. He's entertaining on stage, blah, 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 this. But, but look, you're there at every event at takeoff at, you know, get up at four, uh, MC and takeoff, going through introducing people, keeping things flowing. You get a fog delay. Then you're on for another hour longer during the day. You're commentating, you're going back and forth through it. Then you're doing the weigh-ins. And then, and then after that, you come home and then you're doing a podcast, then you're doing a TV show. So, Oh, Dave Mercer, he, he is, why is he successful? He's not putting much work into it, right? Should you work your team? I mean, it's, it's, it's constantly. And then on top of that, um, you know, the, the sponsor relationships and things that takes a lot of time and work and effort too. So it's like, uh, you know, you're successful as what you put into it in yeah. anything. Uh, and fishing is for sure a big part of that. Some guys are really good at focusing at just the angling part yeah. and, and they've had that success. I mean, you look at a guy like Rick Klon, I'd, I would say that's, you know, he is really at that, but then, uh, there's other people that are successful at the other side of it. I mean, you look at Joe Thomas. I mean, he's, there's a guy that has made a, a, a great career around professional fishing. He won a tournament early in his career and has, has springboarded into a lot of other opportunities for him too, but he's put the work in too. It's just some guys do it with a, with a fishing rod and, um, and, and other guys do it in other areas, you know, I mean, Zona's, I mean, there's a guy that's, put a ton of, of work into a lot of different avenues and, and it doesn't matter. I mean, you look at uh, a lot of people behind the scenes, it, it, it's not, they're not there because they didn't, they're not some of the best that they are at what they do. You know, you look at James Overstreet, there's one of the best guys there is with a, with a camera or Mike McInnes, you, you, nobody knows who he is, but look behind the scenes. That's the, you know, that's the reason that the Bassmaster television show is what it's been for, whatever 25 or 30 years he's been a part yeah. of it you know so but it's it all those things like that it's just when you're a fisherman and i guess you're the it's i guess you you know it's like uh patrick mahomes gets all the credit for winning the super bowl because he's the quarterback but there's a whole lot of other people there that behind the scenes and uh coaching and things like that that are equally as impressive but just don't get the uh the notoriety maybe yeah, but I mean, but they're all people that worked, worked hard oh. to, 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 I mean, there's luck in everything, but luck doesn't last a lifetime. Luck doesn't last a career. You there's know? no consist. there's no consistency in luck. Yeah. I've been, I, I don't like the word luck. I like, you know, I've been fortunate at times, but I don't, you make your own luck. You know, you just, it's just, uh, sometimes you can be unfortunate. Sometimes you can be fortunate. When, when, when you set the hook on one and you're reeling him into the boat and he gets off in midair, it's unfortunate or unlucky when he bounces off the side and goes back in the lake. It's, it's lucky when he goes in, but it wasn't lucky to get him to bite in the first place, you know, yeah. to, to give yourself that opportunity. Yeah. 
do you have any terms he wish you had to do over? Is there one that like still haunts you? Lots of them. The one, so many the of them. Last one I fished. Yeah. <laughs> Jillions of them. Jillions of them. Lots of them. That, well, we were talking the other day. That's what shocked me. I'm like, it's been two weeks since this guy fished a tournament and you're still pissed that you didn't win the tournament. And I'm like, so how do you survive without that? You've asked me this question like 10 times. You know, I know. Right? It's yeah. just, it, it blows me away, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. Well, it's, uh, we'll see it, when it, we'll see when they, when I get to that point, I guess I, you know, all right. Sherry may send me back on tour. You never know. No, no, I'm sure. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but dude, you deserve every bit. Uh, I mean, I've said this to you personally, but thank you for everything that you have given to this industry, uh, everything you've given up for you missed with your family to build this. And you're one of you've changed this sport both on the water, off the water, in the boardroom, every single spot of this sport is better because you touched it because you were part of it. So, I mean, personally, I mean, I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for you. So I am, and and, there, and I'm one of many, many, many people that have been a benefit of KVD Inc. So I thank you, Sherry, your entire family for everything that you guys have done. And, um, and I just look forward to the future because, because I mean, it, it has to mean more time together, right? We'll, we'll get to hang out and have a little bit more fun together now, right? I would, I would hope so. So I, I, I appreciate it, Dave, very much more than you know. And, I, you know, we all do, we all do our part. And I, I realize, you know, over my career, definitely it's a lot of weight on your shoulders at times. And, you know, I've, all, I've had a bullseye on my back for a lot of years as a competitor and that, but you know, I don't, uh, I'm not there to shy away from it and going forward in the future. That's the exact same thing, man. I'm, I'm here to continue to try to make this sport better, to grow this sport, create more opportunities for more people because I bottom line is, is I, I love it. It's my life. It's, it's, it's all I've ever known. Um, it's all I ever want to be a part of. And, and that, that part is not changed and isn't going to change. It's, it's who I am. It truly is who you are. And uh, I'm thankful for you, dude. And I, and I thank you for our candid conversation. Uh, maybe now I can be a regular guest. Oh, sure. Uh, all in, all in. KVD regular <laughs> guest. Um, I'll, I'll send over the paperwork right away, which we don't have. I mean, we'll. I'll just play this tape over to you. But um, all right, I'm bad at any of these things. So one and only KVD. Everybody in your house is watching now. Give him a round of applause because he freaking deserves it. There you have it, the one and only Kevin Van Dam. Um, I can't thank Kevin enough for that conversation i mean it was uh if if, if that wasn't awkwardly honest uh, i don't i don't know what is um and i know kevin thought i was searching for a particular answer i swear to you i was not i mean not that i wouldn't but i was not at that time um but I'll tell you one thing i don't know where kevin van dam ends up in five years from now does he end up a, on a lawn chair in Boca Raton wearing a leisure suit I would love to see that um 
But wherever he ends up, I can tell you two things. Number one, he deserves it. He has worked his ass off to be the person that he is. And everybody would love to be KVD until you see how hard it is to be KVD. His work ethic is second to none. And number two, I can guarantee you he'll be successful at it. Whether he decides to get into TV, whether he decides to get into content, whether he decides to write books, whether he decides to whittle wood. Kevin Van Dam is one of the hardest, most tireless workers I've ever hung around with. I mean, literally makes you feel like, well, well what's wrong with me hanging around with him? And uh, he'll be very, very successful at it. And he deserves whatever he wants it to be. So, question of the week. Where do you guys think Kevin Van Dam ends up? What do you think he ends up doing in the future? And number two, Bob Cobb. It's your time. Take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to, you hear?